At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. So great to be here with you guys Christmas Eve. Yes, yes. We are here to celebrate the birth of Christ. We are in Jeremiah chapter 31. As you're turning there, let me just take a good look at you. Trevor, you look good. Um, you guys are looking good. Most of you, no, all of you look really, really good. Uh, so glad that you're here with us, joining us. Now I have to ask for any children that are present. Are you guys ready for presents? Let me see. Okay. What about the adults? Josh is ready for it. Yeah, nice. Ready for presents. Uh, very good. Um, well, Jeremiah 31, we will go to the Lord now in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we believe that you can flood our hearts with joy. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Even in a sorrowful year, you can teach us to be sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Father, I pray for joy for every single one of us. Not because we minimize the hardship of 2020, but because we maximize the victory of Jesus Christ. Teach us now, Lord. Quiet our minds and hearts that we may receive what you have for us today by means of your word. We love you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. The prophet writes, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. The word of the Lord. So it's Christmas Eve. And so tonight we're going to be talking about the new covenant that Jesus came to inaugurate. Now, in reality, we talk about the new covenant every Sunday because the new covenant is the house that Christians live in, the reality of grace that Jesus brought to us. Prior to today, we've been talking about God's covenants with humankind. We talked about God's covenant with Noah and with Abraham and with Israel and with David. And it was important for us to look at the history leading up to the coming of Christ so that who he is and what he came to do and why he came to do it would make sense to us. Otherwise, we may grasp bits and pieces of the story, but miss the greater significance, the greater themes. Now, when you start watching a saga like Star Wars, you, you can enjoy each one of the movies on its own merit. Each movie is made to stand on its own. And so your favorite might be The Return of the Jedi. And your least favorite, of course, The Phantom Menace, right? What was George Lucas thinking with Jar Jar Binks? Sorry to bring back horrible memories, right? But that's not why most of us are fanatical about Star Wars. The reason we are so um, into this story or into this uh, franchises because of the story, capital S, and the major 
themes in the story, in the many layers, in the grand scale of the battle between good and evil. We put up with episodes one and two and three because we wanted to understand Anakin, Darth Vader's backstory, and it's heartbreaking. Now, how many of you are Mandalorian fans? Let me see. Okay, uh, pretty good. Great show, right? Perfect show for a pandemic year. Mando always has his mask on, you know? Although toward the end there, he started getting lax with it, as we do. But again, if we just watch that show, because of, the, because of each episode, yes, you know, the action sequences, sequences are pretty good for TV, but that's not why we watch it. The reason that we care about the show is because of the child. And because we know the child connects to the entire Star Wars universe. And so our hearts are invested and we're waiting to see how things unfold if you are following the seasons precisely because of the vast significance of the child. Well, Christmas is about the child. But for many people, that's all they know. They know that Christians care about the birth of Christ, but they don't know the vast significance of his birth. And so our survey in God's covenants was an attempt at looking at the history-making events that delivered us to that glorious night in Bethlehem. For unto us a child is born. So we're going to look in three points at this final covenant, the new covenant that Christ brought to us. Why did Jesus Come, number one, because we're no good at keeping our promises. Look at verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. By the time the prophet Jeremiah delivers his prophecies, it's been about 400 years since the time of David. 400 years. Now the nation of Israel, Abraham's people, had split in two. Ten tribes to the north called the house of Israel and two to the south called the house of Judah. Now these 400 years had primarily been a time of rebellion and moral decay. The people exploited the orphan, the poor, the, the foreigner, the widow. God looked for justice, but instead he found bloodshed. But that's not the worst. The worst is that there was also spiritual decay. They had broken their covenant with God and had followed the ways of the nations around them, which made them more corrupt in every way. And so, how was Israel's nation going to be a blessing to all the families of the earth? Because that was a part of the covenant with Abraham. How was Israel going to be a holy nation? Because that was a part of the covenant with Israel through Moses. How is David as king going to have the throne of his kingdom established forever? You see, by all counts, the covenant had failed. To have a kingdom, you need a people and a land and a law and a king. Well, Israel's kings are being dethroned. The law broken, the land taken away. And the people's national identity is all but erased because by the time Jeremiah speaks, the house of Israel has already gone, fallen to Assyria, and the house of Judah is about to fall to Babylon and go into exile, which is why God's words through Jeremiah are like fresh water to a marathon runner who's run out of strength. Because God says, the days are coming 
when I'm gonna make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the one that I made with their fathers when I brought them out of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband. You see, God sees himself in your life, in our lives as our creator, our king, our Lord, but also our husband. Now for guys, that may seem a little bit strange, you know, to see God as our husband, but it doesn't have to be. God sees us as people in the totality of us as a people and he sees us as his bride. Well, this bride was unfaithful and gave herself to many men. Now, I don't care how conservative or liberal you are, how religious or irreligious you are, if your good friend comes to you and tells you that his wife or her husband betrayed them with a lover, your ire is going to be stirred. Because even though our morality and our culture is so wishy-washy, we still have a gut reaction to infidelity. Well, God's charge against us, as he had against Israel, is our spiritual infidelity. We see God as a landlord, as someone that we should have peace once a month or a couple of times a year. That's why some people come to church only on Christmas and Easter. Or we see God as a judge, someone whose standards will never be able to meet, so why bother anyway? Or we see him as a genie, someone who should do all the things that we wish for. And when he doesn't do them for us, we complain or say, oh, he doesn't exist. But just think of how differently you would think about God if you saw him as a husband and you saw yourself and us as his people as a bride. I mean, how good, how vital, how healthy is a relationship between husband and wife when they only talk to each other once a month? Or when they see their relationship in terms of the rules that they have for each other or the things that they want from each other? If you get more out of your job or your hobbies, your vocation, your sports, your shopping, if you get more out of any of those things, your relationships, more than you get out of your relationship with God, then you're in the same place that Israel was with a broken covenant. You don't understand the relationship with God. You know, the reason so many couples end up in divorce is because they lose the deeper connection that made them one. One in heart, one in mind, one in beliefs and in goals. And it's the same with our relationship with God. We break our covenant with him. We come to him not for intimacy, but for what's in it for us. And that approach to God robs him of his glory and devalues who he is. And yet, even though the problem is with us, with our infidelity to God, God takes the initiative to come to us and to make a new covenant, not like the covenant he made with Israel, but rather a covenant that changes us from within. And so why did Jesus come? Because we need a new heart and identity. Look at verse 33. I love this. Jeremiah goes on, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now we all know what it's like to have a law come to us from without, from the outside. If we care nothing about the law, we're gonna resent it. It could be a speed limit, it could be a tax, it could be a house chore like cleaning the bathroom, it could be a rule from your parents. When our children were little, you know, we would say to them, your bedtime is 7.30 p.m., okay? Your bedtime is 7.30 p.m. Easy, right? 
No, not at all. We have to talk about this for hundreds of times because Anna and I would go through the whole two hour parents are ready to kill themselves bedtime routine. And then finally, we would get out of the room, close the door, sit on the couch, look at each other exhausted, and then it would start. The kids would start coming out. Can I stay up? Can I have a drink of water? I'm really hungry. I'm about to die. I just wanna see what you guys are doing. I'm scared. This isn't fair. Now, mind you, this was for their benefit. Their little bodies were exhausted. They were exhausted by 5 p.m. Now, that's just one example. But that example plays itself out at your job, in your marriage, in your relationships within your family, as a citizen. If we have a law coming to us, we're gonna fight it. Doesn't matter what the law is, we're gonna fight it. You know why? Because the human heart fights, does not like laws that come to us from without, from the outside. When we say that we are good law-abiding citizens, we don't mean that we don't struggle with laws. What we mean is that we've done the cost-benefit analysis and out of self-interest, we've decided, we've concluded that it would be easier to follow the law. But you have seen the videos when people thought no one was watching. You've read the anonymous social media posts. We are lawbreakers because our heart does not like law. When a law comes to us from the outside, we resent it. But everything changes when a law becomes a desire. Everything changes. Do you know who loves an early bedtime? Sleep-deprived moms of young babies. They love it. They would love to be put to bed at 7.30 in the morning. I mean, at 7.30 p.m. I mean, I've heard him. He's like, please, please. Everything changes when a law becomes a desire. I was listening to an interview with Bob Goff not too long ago. And he was talking about the time when he was going through law school and how he was swamped. He had time for nothing else, nothing at all except for school. But then he met Maria, whom he's now been married to for a number of decades. And you know what he discovered when he met Maria? That he had all the time of the world for sweet Maria. It didn't matter what it was that she asked him to do, he would do it. I mean, she asked him to clean the bathroom. He was not gonna say like, this isn't fair. No, he was like, can I do it right now? Those of you who've been in love, you know what I'm talking about. And you see, that's what the new covenant does. What the new covenant does for us is it allows us to fall in love with God so that his law is written in our hearts and his law becomes our desire. How does that happen? His law is given to us. It comes to us from within. It's given, it's written on our hearts. You see, in the covenant with Israel, God wrote his law on stone, law that failed to transform the heart. In the new covenant, God writes his law in, on our hearts so that his law becomes our desire. And when a law becomes our desire, it can hardly be called a law, hardly. You could say that in my marriage, there's a law that I come home to Anna every night, okay? But I don't see it as a law, why? because it matches my desire. I wanna come home to her every night. Do you see? This is amazing. We are made, our hearts are made to thrive on desire. 
Think about it. Just think about the things that make you want to live. It's the things you want, the things that you're hopeful about. You know, I was remembering in 2016, this stunt man, his name is Luke Aikens or Aikens. He, he, he jumped off a plane with no parachute. No one has ever done this before him. And I don't think since he's jumping off. It's 25,000 25, feet. Okay. Down, no parachute at all. He's got a team around him. And they, are, and they have parachutes. At some point, their parachutes go off and he just keeps plummeting on his own. And there's a net on the ground to catch him. It's amazing. And when he finishes, you know, he, he, I mean, he had to get into that net and he does. And as soon as he like stands up, he goes, yeah. I mean, like he was so pumped and his wife was so happy, of course. <laughs> but imagine if it was a law. Imagine if there was a law that we had to jump out of planes with no parachute. It would be horrible. What kind of sadistic culture would we be? No one would do this as a law, but as a desire. He was there. He practiced for it. He got ready. He did it. Do you see the difference? We cannot, listen to me, we cannot overemphasize the significance of this development for your life, that God's law and our heart's desire match. This is amazing. And so, listen to me. If you see God as religion, as an imposition, as something to do once in a while, as a duty, as a chore, verse 33 has not happened to you. You are not in the new covenant because in the new covenant, you love God. You love God. You don't see him as this law that's like, oh, I hate this. I don't want to, why do I have to do this? That's what happens when the, when the new covenant has not happened to us. But when it does, you love him. You love his ways. His ways are not always easy for you, but you love them. You know why? Because they've been written on your heart. And you know what the goal is of God's, law being written on our hearts is that God will be our God and we will be his people. We've been talking about this for the last month, church. This is the overarching covenant promise that is over all the covenants, that God would be our God and that we would be his people. It appears over a dozen times in scripture. I'll read you the first and the last. Exodus 6 just listen to God's heart about this. This matters to him. Exodus 6, 7, he's forming Israel as a nation. He says, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who has brought you out of from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And then in Revelation, when the heavens, the new heavens and the new earth have landed, have appeared, Revelation 21, 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. The greatest human desire is for us to be known and loved. That's the greatest desire. And what God is saying to us through this overarching covenant promise is, I wanna be your God and for you to be my people. I wanna be your husband and you my bride. I will know you and love you like no one else can. And so 
is God your God? Is his law written on your heart? Why did Jesus come finally? Because we have the promise of God's forgiveness secured. Look at verse 34. He goes on, and no longer, so in the new covenant, no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. This verse is not saying that we don't need teachers. It's not talking about head knowledge because we do need teachers still for that. What it's talking about is intimate experience, is experiential knowledge and understanding of God. And so what it's saying is that in the new covenant, when the law of God is written on your heart, whether you're five years old or 50, it doesn't matter. You will have full joy and communion with God. Whether you have a PhD or a GED, we all have equal access to God. How? How is that possible? How is it that we don't need priests and temples and animal sacrifices and an external law coming at us? And the answer is in the last line of verse 34. He says, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Church, sin is serious. Sin is serious. God can't just overlook it. Sin refers to the horrible things that human beings have done to each other. Think of little girls sold into the slave, the sex trade. Think of the Holocaust. Think of slavery in America. Think of your own heart. How vile and selfish and petty and law-breaking and violent we are. Think of how we turn away from God, our creator, our provider, and we don't even know him. If God said, who cares about sin? He would be saying, who cares about justice? If God were to ignore, overlook your sin and mine, he would not be good. Not worth following at all. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, because of the child. For unto us, a child is born. Unto us, A son is given. The angel says to Joseph, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. For our sins to be forgiven, for us to know the Lord experientially, for God to be our God and us to be his people, for his law to be written on our hearts, for the new covenant to accomplish what no other covenant could accomplish, the child, the son of David, the son of God had to come. He being full of glory, infinitely worthy, completely innocent, came and bore our iniquity. He secures our forgiveness. Jesus' coming is our sure thing. When the child who became a man came, what he came to do was to die. He came to die for us. That's how much God loves us. Romans 5. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Don't you love this? God didn't wait for us to become good people because nobody is good and nobody can become good apart from the saving work of Jesus Christ. You want to know how much God loves you? Look to the cross. But it gets even better because the child did not just come in history. Christ did not just come in history. He comes straight 
into each one of our hearts by faith. Romans 5 again. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. This is amazing. If you are in the new covenant, because you place your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I encourage you to do that today. Do not let this just be another Christmas, another time of religion something for you. Something you just kind of like put in your pocket, makes you secure for a little bit. No, if you've never given your life to Christ, I invite you to do that today. Let this be a different one for you, for your family. Let this be the time when there's transformation from within, for real, for good. But if you are in the new covenant by faith in Christ, then God's law has been written on your heart and his law has become your desire because the death of Jesus, God's love for you, has been poured into your heart. Your heart is sick. And there's only one thing that can cure it. Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection, power and presence that create new life in you. This is Christmas, you guys. My sin is paid for and forgiven by the Son of God. And God's law has become my desire. I've been freshly, freshly aware and amazed by this very thing this December. I've been freshly amazed that my heart is being healed by Christ dwelling in my heart. I'm amazed that my sin is forgiven, it's covered completely. I'm amazed that I don't wake up every day with the heavy weight of sin crushing me. I'm amazed that my love for my wife after 21 years remains faithful and strong, not unfaithful and fickle. I'm amazed that, I, that God knows me the most, knows me the best, and loves me the most. Apart from the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ, I would have no choice but to give in to sin. I would have no, no way of standing up to conquer sin. I would not be able to change my ugly selfishness any more than a leopard is able to change its spots. I would not be able to lay aside the, the sin that clings so closely. I'd be a slave to sin. Do you sense this in yourself? We are slaves to sin. There is no other way out of it apart from Christ coming to us. There's a story you might have heard of a scorpion and a frog. The scorpion wanted to cross a pond, but being unable to swim, asked the frog if he would take him across. To which the frog, in disbelief, replied, No way! You're a scorpion, and scorpions sting frogs. But the scorpion reasoned and pleaded with the frog and said, Why would I do that? If we're in the middle of the pond, then I sting you. We both will die. Please take me across. And so the frog thought about it and agreed. Mr. Scorpion needs me. Why would he sting me? And so the frog agreed. And the scorpion jumped on the frog. And across the pond they went. And when they were just 
past the middle of the pond, the scorpion stung the frog. And the frog in panic, feeling the venom and numbness of death, asked the scorpion just before dying, why? Now we're both going to die. Why would you do that? And the scorpion said, I don't know. I'm a scorpion, and scorpions sting frogs. Scorpions sting frogs, and people are slaves to sin. There is no way out of it. You, can, you cannot self-help yourself out of your sin, ever. You can read a thousand books. You can take all kinds of courses. You could just think that, oh, a new year's coming. New page, new, new leaf. It's not going to work. Only Jesus Christ can save us. And so, if the law of God matches the desire of your heart so that you love Jesus and your sin can't have you, then Jesus has saved you from your sin. And God is your God and you are his bride. And you belong in the new covenant. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This Christmas, welcome him in all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you for the gift that he is to us. Oh God, we are slaves to sin apart from the blood of Christ, apart from his coming to deliver us from sin, God, that is where we would live. We would be enslaved to it and then die for all eternity apart from you. Father, thank you for sending him. Thank you for giving us the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for anyone here who has only related to you because they know that you are the judge or the creator or just religion and tradition, something you should have in your life a little bit of. Father, if there's anyone that has any of those kinds of thoughts here today, would you please show them their delusion? Would you show them the lie of what they've believed? Would you bring them to Jesus Christ for good and eternally so that they, your law may be written upon their hearts so that their sin may be forgiven for good and so that your law might become their desire so that they love following you because they love you, they love your ways. Thank you, God. Would you do that for all of us? Refresh us by your grace. Thank you for our Savior. I pray, Father, that between now and tonight and tomorrow morning that we would set Jesus apart as Lord in our hearts. That the presence and the activities and the reunions and all of that, as sweet as those are, would not overshadow the importance of knowing that Jesus had to come because we needed a savior to save us from our sins. We love you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for leaving your glory 
and coming to us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.